0: All right, hey Sam, how's it going? Good, Martin. How are you? I'm good. What have you been up to recently? How are things going? Things are going
1: pretty well. I'm gearing up to start teaching this summer, and I'm also trying to get the last lines drawn on this book I've been working on this basketball most of this year.
0: Is there light at the end of the tunnel? Can you see it coming up soon? Uh, yeah,
1: I, I'm trying to have everything done by the end of August. Oh, so.
0: I, have, I didn't realize that. That's coming up so soon. That's got to be so exciting.
1: Yeah, it's we're, we're on track. It's just a lot. It means there's no days off for good behavior between now. And, and then, but it's been great. It's it's the books coming together quite well, and yeah. I'm, I'm very excited to see it. <laughs>
0: yeah, because you've got that and your teaching. And I remember when we were talking, I think it might have been in the first episode when we were talking about what we have coming up in the year. You're like, oh, and then I have teaching this summer and I basically do nothing else while I'm teaching. And now you've got also the end of this.
1: Yeah, but luckily my teaching has been, it's shorter than usual. Okay. And I, since I have all the lesson plans from last year, I'm only teaching three weeks instead of six weeks. I'm putting all of that into a smaller package and it should be fine. I've got a lot of lesson plans made up. So hopefully... This year will be a little bit smoother, and I'm really excited about it. And how about you? How are things?
0: Yeah, no, things are things are good. It's been uh, cake is cake is behind us, and since I was one of the the six core organizers, it was,
1: it was a huge success. Huge,
0: yeah, right? th- totally, totally thrilling success. Uh, we had forty seven percent growth in attendance, which is just a bananas. Uh, Increase And, yeah, it seems like everyone had a good time. I mean, what I love about cake, and it's true of most comic shows, but it feels like cake in particular, and I don't take ownership of this, but there's such a nice feeling on the floor. Everybody seems so happy. This is an
1: incredible incredible year. We had a lot of people come up to, at least I had a lot of people come up to me and and tell me that they're listening to the podcast, which is surprising because not many people listen to this podcast. (laughs) But the few of you that are out there that are listening to this right now, uh, there's some, some wonderful, really, really... Thoughtful fans, and I guess uh, I got some really great comics that people said they were drew while they were actually listening to this, which was yeah, super such, fulfilling.
0: Yeah, such an honor. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, everybody who's listening right now. It's night. Like we would do this if we had zero listeners because it's really fun and I get a lot out of it. But, but it having makes, listeners is good. <laughs> it, makes,
1: it makes all the difference in the world knowing that there's someone out there actually who cares about this, and it it made my my week having the few people out there who are listening uh, let us know that you you are it thank you.
0: Yeah, totally. No, know, there were a couple of people who came up to me, but I was just a, I was a fried pickle. Like I was just completely out of it by the end of the weekend, which is when a lot of people took the time to come up and say hello. And I was so, so grateful and was probably looking at you a little bit like a guppy because I was a little bit out of it from exhaustion and pride, you know, a weekend well done. So speaking of the podcast, we've got a new, we've got a new episode today. Yeah.
1: This one we recorded before cake, but mm-hmm. we're putting it out now. Um, Today on the podcast, we've got Eddie Rivera.
0: Yeah, uh, and he was somebody that I was... I, I knew him from the community. He's a Chicago artist, but you were much more... I wasn't as familiar with his work as yeah, you Yeah, I'm
1: crazy about his work. I think that he's one of the... I think he's one of the best unknown writers working in all of comics. His work is all... Is about outsiders and people who aren't represented very much in the modern comics landscape Uh, you know people people without much education people who are in halfway houses people who are drug addicts but it's not it's neither like a heavy-handed social commentary and it's also not looking down its nose at anybody it's Mm -hmm. it's just this sort of very slice of life and also incredibly funny his comics are they're they're really smartly written and i i feel like he's the kind of voice that i I'm always looking for and and so seldom finding is people who are... Because, you know, a lot of people who make comics have lived lives a lot like mine. Mm-hmm. You know, they're... Every time I read one his comics, I just feel like I'm experiencing this... This new voice that I, I want to hear so much more of. And they're also batshit crazy. Yeah. Which is always oh, a plus yeah um so i wanted to have him on the podcast to talk about where where he draws his the the voices of these characters that are so distinct and from you know are the people that he knew are they people that he is knows now and
0: and we kind of used that to extrapolate kind of in a, a larger conversation about where characterization comes from and how personal history intersects with fictional narrative and how we can do that i really i really enjoyed getting to talk to him and was so grateful for the really open-heartedness that he shared with us so with that Should we dive on in? Let's get to it. All right, here we go.
2: So, when I was 14, living in the cornfields in Indiana, like northwest Indiana, I had my first job working as a corn detasseler. If you know about uh, like the um, pig feed cornfields or any cornfields, but these are for like feeding pigs, Mm -hmm. Uh, you have to pull the tassel out of the top of the I don't really know, I don't really remember now how it works, but it's like the males have an extra tassel and by hand you must pull it. It's really labor intensive. Pull it out, otherwise it won't grow corn. And so <laughs> they hire young teens to get on these uh, special tractors that have arms hanging over them and like tall legs to go past through the rows. And you just like, chunk,
1: chunk, 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 chunk. Wait, there are male and female corn? hmm
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't- yeah. How did the did, different did, pollination? Did or...
1: I did I miss like a important part of like biology class? It sounds you like you did. Are there are uh, there male and female flowers? I thought there was like different parts of. It. I thought they were like, never mind.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the stamen and the I don't know. This, yeah. It's all it's all really phallic and vaginal when you're mm-hmm. dealing with plants, and you start to realize like, oh, that's sperm, and it's uh, injecting itself into the you know. Right. Uh, so I would do that forty hours a week wake up at like I don't know I don't mean to sound like a you know hard ass or something like, I would get up at 4 30 in the morning but right. that was the thing that kids did out there I was pleased to do it but it's like all these all these like hill jack kids would come out of the woodwork to do this job and then the older ones were really kind of scary because it's like well you know you could just probably start over at the McDonald's by now sure. and they're still kind of getting up early for this really horrible job I remember then you'd make like 4 15 an hour I think which mm-hmm. is even even though that was a long time ago that was that even at, and at that t- age that, pay, back that pay was just like whoa that was only like 37 dollars today you know that kind of, right <laughs> uh so i i wanted to get a bmx or, or no that was the that summer was the um camcorder because I wasn't i used to want to be a uh uh filmmaker i was doing movies one of the supervisors he's probably like 18 or 19 and he had like prison like jail tattoos jailhouse tattoos on his knuckles and stuff and i had missed a tassel and it wasn't the first time <laughs> and he came up we were had to do a second pass through where you go on foot it's like well the tractor's got another field to do you're go you're getting your asses out there on foot i'm pulling those final tassels and i still missed one and he came charging up behind me mother uh can we come yeah sure yeah can. Come ahead, fucker, i told you i told you last and he whipped me with the with the tassel he had it in his hand whip whip and, and I just, like, took it like a dog. And,
0: oh, <laughs> gosh, yeah.
2: And then, like, later there was a, a racially charged uh, fist fight on the bus that take was taking us back to our town. Because uh, there was the, all these hillbilly kids, and then there was this... Uh, Northwest Indiana is completely segregated by race, so uh, all the kids from Gary, Indiana were black kids, and nobody could get together. So there's, like, this section of the bus that's black kids, and, like, and then they're, like, throwing things at each other, and somebody... Says a racial slur, and the next thing you know, there's a brawl, and it happened like three times that yeah. summer. So I don't know. The whole experience was really negative, and it was, probably should have just been taking classes, or you know. Just well, but being... <laughs> when you need to
0: make make a couple, make a couple bucks. I like, worked. Yeah.
2: I think I worked all summer and barely made the uh, five hundred bucks to buy a VHS camcorder. Yeah. Which I then carry around with me for like the next three or four years, uh, and I have all these tapes now of of like. Daniel Johnston style, you know, where yeah. he has, like, tapes right. of everything, and like, what? <laughs> I, and it was just, like, I was, like, my seventh sensory organ or something that I carried this camera on, like, so, you know, like, this defense mechanism, because I was uh, 50 pounds overweight, and mm-hmm. so I was just like, oh, what do you think about this? And, Can you put the camera down, please? No. <laughs> <laughs> I remember one time filming, filming the table of girls from in the lunchroom from the next table, and one of them came over and said... Uh, we were wondering if you could stop filming us now. Fair, (laughs) fair, (laughs) fair. And I kind of cooled it after that.
1: (laughs) So were you always like obsessed with human beings and like, and the character that other people who are around you as being like, they seem like strange to you. Is that why you were documenting
2: them? I guess so. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe, uh, maybe everybody would have that if they're, you know, that's just not possible. Yeah. That's just me.
1: Because um, I see, like, with, with your work, it seems to me like when I read your comics, they're really, they're they're really different to me from any other comics I've ever read because the characters in them are like so they're very specific. They're very specific from a very specific place that I've never been to, and you know, I feel like there's in indie comics, whatever that term means, I don't really yeah. know, but like it, it we've had like the white middle class college educated person usually all those things not always all of those things mm-hmm. documented like so many times and so many different versions of that and mm-hmm. you don't see people who haven't gone to college you don't see people who have like been to prison or in and out of prison or in halfway homes or you know and yeah. and the, these people are like the, the characters in a lot of your comics are folks who are to me like they're to me they're really fascinating and rich, but they're not caricatures. Like they're not
2: Yeah. They're um a lot of those characters are based on I mean I could make a short list of like five or six or seven people that 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 are and I almost feel like am I an artist or am I just like this is just a diary and and this is a weird compulsion or something. You know what I mean? Like uh there you know, it's like there's like two or three uncles who are like super out there and then uh there'd be like you know to tesla guys little people that pop in and out and you just kind of remember these things they said and then um there was a point where i lived when i was a little older as a teenager lived by a uh halfway house like a few doors down and those guys would come ar- start coming around and i just i don't know the only the thing is i always just had this thing where i like those people which if i really wanted to anal- and i don't i don't know why it's maybe i don't know if there's any value in analyzing where that comes from but com- coming from a cornfield there was nobody around and if and it seemed like if there were people around it'd be weirdos and so you and and i like weirdos now and i don't know if i am a weirdo i don't think i am i think i'm really pretty with it but uh (laughs) you seem pretty
0: with it yeah let me go back to what you were saying at the beginning so you said you don't know if you're an artist or if this is a compulsion what does being an artist mean to you then because i think that Mm. what you make is very much
2: like yeah you know i don't know i guess i'm an artist but um not particularly, like, I don't, I, I didn't, uh, I don't know how to make comics. I don't really know how to draw. Yeah, um, so say I,
0: we all. I have no idea yeah, either, yeah.
2: I, like, I work really slowly, and I know it's because I don't really know what I'm doing. And so, eventually it'll look good if I spin up, it, but it's like, I know there's people out here who are cranking out two or three pages a day, and it's like, okay, I got two panels today. Great. It was a yeah. good day, ten hours later. Uh, and, and it was really painful, too. You know, that kind of thing. So, I guess that's still a type of artist.
1: Yeah, no, I think art comes in all different stripes, and, you know, your comics are ultimately really beautiful so thank you and i
2: and i I actually i think the my favorite kinds of art art are should or or maybe the best art should be a compulsive behavior and i think my favorite stuff is like the outsider kind of art where it's just like oh it's just a coping mechanism or just like built into my brain something in the wiring where i just have to paint these squares you know (laughs) or these naked girls who live in a fantasy world Right. (laughs) (laughs) when
1: when you are like writing those comics what do you find yourself embodying like when you're giving voice to the like the guys at the half halfway house down the street when you're growing up like these aren't direct line like quotes from them right you're you're like you have to come up with dialogue you have to elaborate
2: yeah yeah i the the quotes really do pop in literally
1: literally but you're but you have to like you have to I mean, give voice to these people. Do you find yourself, like, yeah. do you find yourself thinking, like, do you get in into the characters so much that you're, like, thinking like them for a little while while you're working? Or...
2: Yeah, I see even use the, like, there's Tony Ranzetti, I, like, pop into his voice sometimes, just as a jokey thing. Mm-hmm. Not as much lately, because I haven't thought about those characters so much in a while, but, um, you know, it's, it, uh, <laughs> I definitely can't do it now, but, uh, it's yeah. like the New, new York kind of exit. Tony yeah. Ranzetti, hey, Tony yeah. Ranzetti here. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I think that can be really useful to have like models in life that you need to embody to be able to perform a a thing either in art or in life, right? Like whenever I need to be, whenever I need to be terrifying, which is very rare, Mm -hmm. I just try to become my high school Spanish teacher, Dr. Garza, who was terrifying. (laughs) And so if I ever have to like be intimidating, like I, you know, your demeanor changes and how you think about the world changes. And Mm -hmm. so do you, when you're, when you're, writing these characters that are that are very familiar Um, how do you how does that process work for you when you're when you're writing these stories
2: process wise I would just I you know what I do sometimes is some somebody really weird will come along and I just write their profile and I just found one the other day that I didn't what do you
1: you mean by profile
2: like I worked with this woman Yola in a bookstore some years ago and I had written out this full profile I was going to do a comic about her and it kind of one of those things that just like didn't do it and uh but i will have like her drawing and then like two pages where it's like so yola is a 42 year old woman who um has a very thick chinese accent but actually speaks no chinese and i just found out the other day that her name is not yola like everyone she's worked here for five years but no one realized her name is actually loriola and uh she doesn't bother correcting them but today she decided to correct me the other day i had a party that she found out about and she came to it and, uh, she was the first to come and the last to leave and was, and was like staggering around the house. And we had to lead her out to the street. She, you know, that kind of, you know, just like, but on and on the hmm. the other day, uh, two weeks ago, she threw up at the cash register. And, uh, then the other day she had a freak, you know, this kind of like, just there's this off person. Sure. And it's just like, Oh, I I gotta start writing this down. I don't know why there's people like that everywhere. Uh, why can't I leave it alone? And and even there's something kind of mean about me doing that. But
0: I was going to ask about the ethics of, I mean, <laughs> being totally nice. real, right? Like the ethics of, of taking somebody, a lot of people who are on the, right, on the margin of, of um, stability or mm-hmm. society in some way and, you know, framing their story and for a, I, I don't know for what end, right? Like for... Yeah. Because some of that is really funny, right? Like some of it's funny. Some of it's funny. The accent thing really... was nuts. Yeah. she was
2: full Chinese, and I assumed that she, that was her English was her second language, and then I realized she just picked up this accent from her parents or something. You know? Sure. Yeah. Right. So, so
0: what? How do you, how how do you negotiate those boundaries for yourself when you're working on something?
2: I've gotten a lot better about it. I think in the past, when I was a little younger, it was a little cruel. The, one of the um, earlier comics I made, like about ten years ago, I guess somebody that i knew when i was younger murdered somebody mm-hmm. he was a band a bandmate of mine in high school and he was weird, real weird anyway and so there were already some stories about it somebody that i worked with at mcdonald's and he's like you want to join this i can tell you the brief thing he says do you want to um play in this band we're gonna do a battle of the bands and i was like 15 or 16 i said yeah i've never done that and um so i went over there and he said so here's the two songs we're doing for the battle creed can you take me higher and ozzy osborne's crazy train and i I didn't want to do that. Even then, right. I knew well, they weren't good songs. Uh, <laughs> crazy Train. I could crazy a Crazy Train's cool, bit. but I can, you can't sing that. That's no. the thing. It's like, yeah. oh, I can't sing Crazy Train, so I couldn't sing that one, and the Creed one is like, that's yeah. really humiliating. Yeah. <laughs> so we did a practice, and I was talking to the other guys, like, yeah, he asked me to come. You know, playing music's cool, but these aren't, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, And we all kind of like, hey, we don't want to do it. And he managed to talk all four of us into staying. Like, And it, he said, if you... If you uh, do this for me, I'll do anything in the world, in the whole world for you, because that's what this means to me. He had, like, tears in his eyes. You know, so he's like this weird guy. He ended up murdering somebody. And I did a comic about the whole experience, knowing him and the the story. And it was kind of insensitive. And, you know, it's like real people. And um, I did a reading about a year ago for it. And the whole crowd, like, called me out on it and, like, heckled me out of the place. You know, that kind of thing. And maybe not undeservedly, because I it, it was a it was like this is something I don't have online No, I don't have it published and uh, you know it's old I don't really like how it looks it's kind of insensitive but I'm gonna read it and they are still like that's yeah, disgusting your story's disgusting uh, you know you shouldn't be reading it good you know that kind of thing but but that, that was the zine fest festivities last year and okay. zine people are a different sort
1: <laughs> they, they are a more sensitive <laughs> breed of person
2: this is a anarchist handbook to making the best cherry pie <laughs> why did you print this <laughs> <laughs> Sounds delicious. <laughs> you are mean.
1: <laughs> I find with my own characters that I, I tend to not do that. I tend to like I I don't unless I'm doing uh, like nonfiction or which I when I'm doing nonfiction it's usually so, from my point of view that like mm-hmm. every, it's it's just me trying to recreate a conversation I had with someone like yeah. there's no external stuff but mm-hmm. if i'm going at beyond that i can't like i can't create fiction where there are where or things that are in that twilight zone with mm-hmm. and, and create a believable voice because so i give everyone this like what i consider the most normal voice in the world which is my voice like a slightly <laughs> a slightly cold slightly sarcastic like <laughs> just like way of dealing with the world and i and i realize that like i'll have like conversations where like two people are are talking to each other but they have the exact same like they're both me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know they say that like in you know in fiction like well everyone's a like a, a part of your personality but i have a hard time like set finding the parts of my personality that are unique enough to like blossom into their own characters mm-hmm.
0: do you think that's because i mean do you think that's why you i was just going to say something that's not true because you write probably equal amounts of fiction and nonfiction, right
1: about equal, but I'm I'm always feel like my nonfiction is better, and I'm always trying to figure out how to crack my fiction. I feel like that's yeah. that's like been something I've been striving for for the last year, especially maybe two years, and I haven't had a story that I've been as satisfied with. I like that fiction can become so strange. I like that you can go to places where it's like, oh, here are a bunch of like, here's a bunch of college kids that are creating a religion, and mm-hmm. you know they're bi- summoned a
2: demon. Yeah, exactly
1: <laughs> summoned a demon, and but like, and you can't do that in nonfiction, and you can take it to those really strange extremes but i think it's often at the expense of of like rich human portraiture like of Mm -hmm. like of that thing which is
0: it can be for sure. Yeah, it's not yeah. always. It should yeah. it
1: shouldn't be. I right. feel like when it when it finally starts to work, it'll be those two things in tandem, but I haven't mm-hmm. figured it out in my own right. fiction. And character to me is that huge stumbling block. block. It's like that it's mm-hmm. that thing that if I can find something that animates you know, if I if I can breathe life into a character enough that they could like take over a story and just scream to, to get out, I feel like it could get over that hurdle I've trying to leap over for I 10 years
2: a, yeah well, i have a hurdle of approaching non-fiction especially as it would pertain to uh i guess i did that story about my murdering friend but biographical stuff yeah
0: me and, too
2: yeah and i uh, and i have like i really like joe matt and i also really dislike him too like kind yeah, of his have, voice who he is i don't I've, i have very similar feelings about joe matt you know the one where it's just about him dubbing vhs por- pornos for that's like, like a, 220 pages that's like
1: all peep show or uh um, peep, uh that you know, the peep show was the series i think spent was the collection spent
2: and it's beautiful work and stuff but like reading it you just feel bad and you really don't like him and you have a feeling like this is so like honest that this is really who this guy is he's a bad guy a little bit you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I've i read it more than once you know and I really am attracted to that kind of honesty and right. I don't know what it is about comics that there's a lot of guys like Chester Brown well, I guess they're all buddies so maybe they're feeding yeah. off of each other they live by right. each
1: other I was just thinking about yeah the Chester Brown paying for a oh. book but that I, both the Joe Matt and Chester Brown I feel like they're really Honest about this specific thing about themselves, mm-hmm. but like, if you were to tell me, like, is Joe Matt like a generous person? Yeah. What's he like to be out on a long car ride with? I would have no idea. Mm-hmm. I feel like I have a better idea of what Chester Brown would be like on a long car ride with mm-hmm. from his nonfiction, mm-hmm. whether that's true or not. I yeah. don't know.
2: Or, like, what's the woman's name, French Canadian, who did di- New York Diary? Julie uh, Ducec, yeah, yeah. That kind of thing, which isn't quite as... It's just really kind of gross and it's like open drug use and uh, right. like weird yeah. sex stories and like... It's not. she's not nasty or anything, but oh, that part is there too, and it's just kind of like, I want to tell some stories like that, but I haven't, I don't know, maybe I feel like I want to be older, more distanced from them, because I'm still being bad now, you know? that has <laughs> <laughs> been so long since I've read New York Diary that I can't remember, even remember it.
0: No, nor I. Yeah, That's I don't know. It's a fun one. Yeah, I don't know. This is, a, this is a topic that I've been, like, I biked I biked down here, we're recording Sam's apartment, it's like a 45 minute bike ride from mm-hmm. and I was biking the whole way, feeling a lot of anxiety. Anxiety about this topic, right? About like, especially personal history as it manifests in characterization and the stories that we choose to tell. Because I, I, I hope that this, like, I, I'm struggling for words because I don't want to come across as insensitive to people who are being really vulnerable with their work or really, really open and raw with personal history. But mm-hmm. I had a lot of very specific and very intense things happen in my life, and mm-hmm. that, and also like generational traumas, and I spent so much of my adult life working hard to not be defined by that, Yeah. that to have my work focus on that is something that, to me right now, sounds so unappealing, because it would be... I mean, on, on the one hand, like that's, those just aren't the questions that I'm interested in asking in my work, right? Like, I'm really motivated by fiction and the questions of fiction. But the idea of tearing at wounds that maybe are healing yeah. is... A really hard one, but I have this experience relatively frequently. Like people know that I make comics, and as I get to know somebody and get to be friends with people, like personal history things come out, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, "You should make a comic about that." And my, I'm like, "No,
2: <laughs> yeah, I don't know <laughs> how long I, I spend working on those."
0: Right, right, right. So just the the raw number of hours you'd have to spend sitting in that space, uh-huh. and also like, not not that that's not a useful thing, mm-hmm. and not that that's not like framing something and in, in a intellectualizing it in a way that you're thinking about it as a comic rather Mm -hmm. than as you know a a personal history it's
2: like choosing to relive the incident in another dimension right i mean you know for a thousand hours yeah
0: but i but i do think that there are ways that personal personal history and you know the the people that come up in our lives and that are bizarre or really influential or really Mm -hmm. you know violent or whatever i think that that can come through and i'm interested in how that comes through and fiction and in in creating true characters and I'm not I'm not great at that either, but it, I think it's really a really interesting question. Yeah. Because you can yeah. you can draw from just imaginary, like just from imagination, but right. creating just from pure imagination a fully formed character, I feel like you need a little right. bit of reality to give well, if, it that specificity that you were talking about, Sam. Yeah, well, I feel
1: like there's, I mean, I, I think that like good fiction has that Jungian thing where it's like you're creating your own dream space. You're like, these are the things I obsess over. These are the things I'm thinking about. And like you latch onto an image or an idea and then you follow it to the next image and then you're in this completely new space that you never that you didn't realize you were thinking about but Mm -hmm. it had to come from you you didn't like you you don't sit down you're like i'm going to write a story now you sit down with an image or an idea and then you you kind of follow it to its logical conclusion and you find out that it's a part of you. So it's oh, it's yeah. more oh. like it's more like the the whole the whole character is the are the events they are the space. Every object has some symbolic meaning as to who you are. And I feel like you know like when I started uh, making Viewatron uh, with my friend David, my idea was that I wanted to figure out who I was. And I figured mm-hmm. if I just drew enough and I made enough things, fiction, nonfiction, humor, drama, mm-hmm. that maybe I'd figure out who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that kind of comes back to what you're saying about like not wanting to spend a bunch of time in these very dark spaces. I feel like it's I mean those are real events that yeah. happen to you, but the the way that they affect you this is all pseudoscience but you know i've heard that like anything that's beyond three years old can't exist in your memory uh, it has to be rewritten as a story created as part of your as your story as as, as part of your 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 personal narrative so the the thing that you're actually remembering is the memory of it so you're Mm. you're doing that act anyway if you remember it at all that's why so many things don't make the cut and you just don't remember them again and then someone will tell you hey you remember that time when you blank and blank and maybe you know onto
2: a language recognition
1: yeah maybe maybe you can you can can glom onto some, some basic facts and create a new story based on on whatever you have. But it's that Joan Didion quote: "We tell ourselves stories in order to live." And since you're going to be telling the stories anyway, when you make nonfiction comics, you're controlling the stories, and you're you get to be the the editor of them. And what I've been re- surprised to find out is that the nonfiction that I make replaces the memory mm-hmm. um, in this really weird way, and that it puts it in a place where you're like, okay, this is. It's as true as you could make it, but it's mm-hmm. confined to this space. And even the things that you know that you cut out, that maybe were too painful to put in that, they're okay. It's like they're somehow made better because you, you, you were able to create this thing from it. I yes. I, I would I would advocate for, not as for catharsis, I don't think art works very well as a cathartic thing, yeah. but I feel like being the master of time and space and the characters that we already inhabit as part of our obsessive thinking.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I Last week, I, I texted you when this happened, but I was, I was, I was in a period of kind of intense and very brief mourning, and uh, in order to help myself process, I did this very specific morning ritual and mm-hmm. as I was going through in it in the morning <laughs> I have to that, would have, that would have been much more literative. Um no and as I was finishing it up and like crying really hard yeah. um, I was like this would make a great comic mm. <laughs> and I texted Sam I was like what's wrong with us uh, yeah <laughs> like, <laughs>
2: we've crossed over
0: we've crossed over it's not
2: any more than um I mean everybody has all these issues it just comes out in
0: different different ways ways. some people
2: are out taking drugs or like uh just being rude to everybody they encounter every day you know (laughs) like that's another like oh we're just gonna draw it and what and it's not just that you're making this thing it's like I'm gonna be by myself in my house for like hours and hours and hours I don't want you coming around I don't want to be bothered I can't really go out And, and it's like oh that's interesting and and so but you're you making a living off these comics then then that's you gotta stay home oh no that mostly costs tends to cost me a good bit of money yeah. um time oh so this is a weird behavior i mean i mean it's, you can be i'm passionate about making them but it's like you know it's a weird yeah it's a weird thing to spend your time doing yeah
1: i guess i mean i guess i feel like that you probably make them because there's you can't not
2: yeah make them oh totally right yeah, yeah it goes back to being really like a little book before i could write i used to do comics and just pretend to write you know like the weird symbols
0: oh <laughs> you know
2: goes back to like age four uh-huh. this goes back to age 11 yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was uh going to share with you guys about uh sort of like coping with things i had my own traumatic stuff in the last year or so mm-hmm. um and i wanted to talk about this i wasn't sure how much i was going to share with you guys but um the brandon's car world is something that is yeah gonna come out you have for a kickstarter pay. yeah yeah, yeah. No. thank you very much uh yeah. for ordering the book i'm so excited to read it <laughs> uh so that was a reaction to my sister going to jail and her drug issues but i don't think that she'll let her or my parents know what i do or or <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, so <laughs> i hate to say that but i don't think she'd be like oh you'd go on the radio and talk about my issues yeah. but but I have
0: a, I have a sister-in-law <laughs> who sounds similar to your sister. Yeah.
2: Yeah, sure. yeah. So it's just like Indiana stuff. They have this horrible drug problem out yeah. there, and it's something that I've seen a little bit of. And uh, several family members, like it's like the young people who stayed in Indiana. Yeah. None of them did anything else. I just have a few cousins, and it's like there's one who didn't, and she just started having children in high school, and mm-hmm. just, you know, and it's like she's an upstanding person. Oh no, I'm just like running through the whole gamut. Uh, that's okay. I'm not using anybody's names or anything. It's, okay. it's just like yeah. you know that she's a great she's great. But there's a few people and and it's just like really there's nothing else you want to do and and you see what when they're clean they like watch TV and play video games and and I was and it's just like I stay out of there but I do go to visit every once in a while and I see this stuff and it's just like and it's just like eats at me and you go there and you're just like and what are you gonna say everybody's watching TV no one thinks that's strange mm-hmm. like do you have a library card do you want to go to the library like you find like, something. Because if you're doing this, it just will lead back to and so, and it's just this like horrible, pointless cycle, like like just like uh, point like oh, yeah, point, addiction
0: but, is yeah. is the yeah. worst thing. It's just like living
2: like a like uh, like killing all of your living hours. You know what I mean? Like
1: so, how does the new book like address that? Like what's it uh,
2: in kind of an abstract way? Char- like these are like Midwestern town X, Midwestern characters who don't have any series. It's a little more abstract, I guess. It's like they don't have. Develop personalities and there's no real storyline it's just kind of inane sort of like chatting playing on their phones driving around uh kind of occasionally like explicitly referring to drugs or sex but uh i wasn't i kind of was like i don't want to show people like doing drugs i don't want to glamorize this at all it's just sort of like trying to get drugs on your phone for nine panels Right. No yeah. end, no begin. You know what I mean. It's just like so. The
0: structure of the book is kind of a criticism of what you see. Yeah. Because like no- nothing happens but this. I yeah, know,
2: of and insane-ness. so yeah, and the other thing was, I mean, I could have written a comic about uh, my family going through this crisis. That would have been a little raw and fresh, but but it's like, well, you know, I don't want them to see that it's not really that you can't just put everybody in this comic and then print a thousand copies of it right. you know what i mean and then they see it and it's like what are you doing and uh, uh no one wants to see themselves drawn in your you know yeah. right, right. <laughs> um but i had to i just felt like i had to that it was taking up too much of my mind and so yeah. whatever work i was doing was gonna i guess that's it if something's swimming around in there and and now a year later as i'm wrapping it up it feels different and now i'm, I'm almost like i gotta get this done i don't really lo- I'm almost uncomfortable with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but and it's a I'll fictionalized.
0: It. It's a fictionalized story. Yeah, uh, that's that draws from this personal history, but it's fiction.
2: Yeah, enough. and yet that realized as I was reading through like, oh, that's a line that my I heard my dad say. That's something yeah. my sister said. You know, this is clearly my sister's ex-husband. This character it looks like him. You know what I mean? Like the same beard. You know? Yeah. <laughs> You know what it is? It's those skinny yeah. beards, the, the chin strap beards. Yeah, yeah, mm.
0: yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy <laughs> how that happens. Where like even through fiction, it, it can sneak up on you, right? Like you were saying, it's like I didn't. Oh, oh, shit! This is my uncle. Like,
2: yeah, was, <laughs> right, But
0: yeah. I was uh, I was working on a writing a big a big book last fall, and it just got too hard. Like it was. I it didn't think it was going to be hard. Cause it was very very far from anything personal so I thought and mm. it totally wasn't and it it fucked me up for a number of months and I had to like put it down and walk away and mm-hmm. like looked for a therapist because I was like what's wrong right now <laughs> and I was like then it's like with a little bit of distance with a little bit of time distance I was like oh I'm working through this thing in yeah. the form of this book and uh-huh. And having that distance to think about it and recognize what's happening there is useful so that it can just be the book that it needs to be rather than, yeah. like, necessarily being burdened by my shit. But that shit that's my shit is what's motivating it, right? Like, that's the heart and core of it. I don't know. I don't really know other than what to say other than I totally empathize with what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What about well, what you, about you hmm. Sam? Like, so you, you've been working with, like a lot of personal like difficult personal stories yeah recently
1: i have i mean i'm i'm working luckily i've got a big project that's been occupying the majority of my time every day so i can kind of compartmentalize it Mm -hmm. i don't know right now i'm i'm just trying to kind of figure out how how the story i'm working on is is an expansion of a previous mm-hmm. uh, work and I'm trying to figure out what to collect. I'm just kind of collecting all the stories that could yeah. be in this and, and writing small parts of them and with a plan of growing it and figuring out what can actually connect and what needs to be. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's not nearly as interesting, but I find it, it's hard. It's hard to, to look at your personal history because it's all interwoven and yeah, I don't know, to find isolated things. You know, I'm constantly trying to start books where I'm like, I'm going to do a mini comic about growing up, you know, with a single parent and loving television and (laughs) and not in a bad way. I'm going to have this like I'm talking about the positive things that television taught me as a child. (laughs) And seriously, you know, I I could I could tell you I could go on about
0: Jillian Anderson. Super hot. Number Super hot.
1: We were just talking I about this. Over, yeah, um,
0: she's
1: yeah, she still she still appears in my in my in my dreams regularly as as uh, Agent Scully. Like oh I, my God. I yeah, there she's she's like a permanent installation piece. So there's
0: um, number one, and and other less important. Well, and once
1: Star Star Trek and and like. Running
2: the, uh, yeah, just, define but, my visual tastes. I think, but like
1: you, when you start talking about that, and you're, then I'm like, well, what else? Then then I I can't separate that from my like my weekly pilgrimage to the comic shop and like. Mm-hmm. what like following discovering artists and then realizing that they were influenced by other artists and then like you start to unpack all these things and like suddenly it's like it's it's this interwoven knot mm-hmm. and it's it's not as as like yeah. difficult and emotional mm-hmm. necessarily but it's like intellectually like it's all mm-hmm. part of the same thing and
2: you can think of your trips to the comic shop and then the one story that rises to the top that you want is like oh, and then the time that I got the most com- all the comics I was really waiting for, and somebody, some kids whipped my ass and took the comics on my way home. Or you know, like I guess, story worth telling, I, isn't it? I guess so. I'm,
1: I guess I'm less interested right now in stories and more interested in concepts and like and like bigger, I, bigger ideas yeah. than mm-hmm. than like the individual events. There was, I mean, I grew up in Madison, Wisconsin. Nothing happened. You know, Wisconsin is the place where sitcom characters come from. When you're trying to say that nothing has ever happened before <laughs> you meet them, <laughs> I, I give you a list in my head of all the. I'm characters that are from Wisconsin and they're all they're all like the doe-eyed innocents right. yeah. um, and it's true It's like nothing ever happens to in Wisconsin, but that's kind of what like but I want to talk about that in my work And I've been having a hard time figuring out how do you how do you talk about nothingness in a in a in a, in a really positive well, we way We talked about
0: this in a past episode or even talking about happiness, right? And, right and you know not wanting to ignore Pathos and difficulty and th- that's not the only place that good stories come from
1: right but but happiness is so much harder, and, and and creating a happy character is infinitely harder. It's like Parks and Recreation. is like the greatest sitcom of all time. Yeah. <laughs> I love television. Indiana. <laughs> yeah. It comes full circle.
2: Yeah, that's a very different Indiana though. There's a yeah. couple different Indianas. It's yeah. Great. It's, the gradient goes down. You know.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, they never go to Gary in that no. in that. would be
2: cool. A sitcom and it was all positive, just jokes and stuff, but it's in Gary it. and
1: <laughs> So, are there any are there any things that you guys like as someone who who feels like very not adept at character? Are there anything you're talking about you make this profile? Are there any other tricks like when, mm. you're, when you're starting off creating characters or when you're trying to flesh them out that you guys do to to yeah. I, I do
0: I do I um I always Think about what question they're trying to answer. Hmm. Like what which I think is a more I find that a more useful way of framing the question of what's a character's motivation, right? Like what are they trying to do? It's like, no, what question are they trying to answer? Like and that breaks down in a scene or in a whole or in a, a longer story. Where are they coming from? Yeah. Because everybody wants something in a scene. Like I listen to some screen writing a screenwriting podcast and they are talking about every scene being a transaction, right? Like everybody wants something out of every scene, whether it's literally buying something or they want love and understanding or they want a moment of quiet and everything's chaotic. What's the question that that character is asking in the scene? And that usually creates, you can find where conflict comes from in that. And that helps me know where that character is coming from. And other than that, like I try to do some backstory, but I'm really bad at it. I also feel very new to it, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm... A lot of the comics that I've done that are short are really abstract and really just kind of like a thought experiment, yeah. And don't need a lot of like characterization or character development. Um, and it's something that I am thinking a lot about, and I'm trying to like read books to gather wisdom about how that works, or listen to, listen to other podcasts and listen to other people mm-hmm. talk about how they do that. But um, yeah, what about you? You sing.
2: Uh mine sometimes another thing is that it might stem from is there's certain things that i want to draw because um although we're having a discussion about characters the interesting things that push and pull in comics of like well, all of a sudden it's like mm-hmm. now i'm struck now i've got this like a scene that takes place in traffic and so i have to start thinking about cars and yeah. what cars <laughs> around and what a car says about a character and, and it's like this is no longer about character development or story development or anything it's just about you know crafting something well um, but, there, but there's something about
1: like every you know when you see someone's car or you see someone's like where they live or you see how they dress like mm-hmm. all those things hugely indicate who they are yeah Mm -hmm. you know they they're not just living in like a generic and as i've I've, one thing when people like when people use too much shorthand with Mm -hmm. like this is a house you're like well yeah but right but that's not everybody's house like like make it a specific house make it Mm -hmm. like so i think that that, no that is characterization i think that's really important that that stuff
2: yeah i guess this uh, yeah definitely so uh or like i had a period where i was like really interested in drawing drawing graffiti Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to figure out I don't know it's just like that like do I want a hard line on the spray paint or do I want to figure out a way to make spray paint with paint so it's you know what I mean it's just like trying to figure that whole thing out and yeah. in the process you're definitely creating a certain character's environment like and I was like I had been here long enough or away from Indiana long enough that I was no longer interested in these hillbillies it started to be like city hillbillies which is really the same kind of same behavioral C- traits. C- city it? billies, is that a thing? City billies, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, no, I, I grew up in the South and when I, mm-hmm. I went to college in Massachusetts and I had this idea that like everybody in Massachusetts or New England everybody's so brilliant because Mm -hmm. that's where all the colleges are that i was looking at yeah there's no mechanics there right like massachusetts i was like there's so many colleges there everybody must be brilliant and i go there and i was like oh no nope nope it's the same everybody's the same everywhere Mm -hmm. right like you but you absorb those stories about like the south being one way or whatever Mm -hmm. um yeah i'm sorry that was a tangent
1: no i the tangents are
0: okay <laughs> we're, we're, we're
1: pro tangent do you, do you ever like design this is totally unrelated to character but do you end up designing stories around what you want to draw like like starting with the drawings and then working backwards
2: yes uh i did one with dinosaurs i really wanted to draw dinosaurs and people and i almost kind of like just started throwing them in there and it went real fantastical um so mm-hmm. there's that uh currently i'm with doing brandon's car world i'm i've been interested in drawing junky cars like mm-hmm. certain models okay. of like mid-80s uh sedans and stuff and yeah. so uh yeah it's kind of like building around something like that Yeah, definitely
1: mm-hmm. i was think whenever i think about that i think about uh archie goodwin the, the writer uh would when he was on his titles like he was writing batman uh and he had a he would just ask every author, artist he worked with like what do you want to draw this month and they'd be like, I want to draw a, a biplane. And they're like, okay. So he'd, uh, he'd have like, whoa, a, so he just created Batman story awesome. that was all about biplanes. But, and and every, so every, every artist got to draw whatever they wanted to draw and he would just oblige. And I think that's like, Oh, it's really, sweet. It's super sweet, yeah. right? Yeah. And well,
0: like, also, I bet that creates more joyful drawings, right? Cause it's right. the artist drawing what they want to be for, thinking For a month. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So like he it created like a better month for that person, yeah. which is like
2: a good. And he probably liked writing under constraints. Sometimes right. that can really make a thing happen a little quicker. And you're like, well, it's got to be like this. It's got to have this. Okay. Right, exactly. So. Especially uh, if you're writing like 25 stories a month or something. Is the way some of uh, those guys. Yeah.
1: Are there any other questions about character that we want to...
0: I don't really have any on the tip of my tongue other than just to kind of... I still feel like I'm learning so much. Yeah. I mean, we,
1: could do, we could do like a dozen... We could
0: do a dozen <laughs> things about this. Yeah. And, and like... I, I think that I've often leaned too hard on allegory or mm-hmm. or something being too heavily like, this is a thing about this rather than it being about what it's about. Emblematic kind yeah, of right. stuff. And I, you're, and stuff
2: big, yeah, right. And that's big idea stuff.
0: <laughs> which, I, which is motivating to me and I like that, but it's also what I think is super, super unsatisfying about what I've made so far is the characters are so nonspecific. Mm-hmm. I know a lot about them and that defines... Like how they dress and what they do and yeah. what's in each scene and what's needed, mm-hmm. but I don't think that it doesn't necessarily, that carry, across. Doesn't necessarily carry across. It's yeah. it's useful mm-hmm. for me to know going into it, but it doesn't. That's not what it's about. Yeah, and right. I'm really interested in thinking about how to make the characters what it's about, and because that's always what I find most compelling to read and most exciting mm-hmm. to read. Well, I
1: feel like as we, if we move into doing longer work, as you you have to character yeah. has to. That dominate because you need that. That's the spine of the work. When you're doing short, short stuff, it's very easy to do something that's like about Yeah, whatever. You know, what if every toaster was actually an alien?
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, I finally read um, Mega Hex the other day. I don't know if that is. How, um, do you, how do you? Simon read? Hanselman's mm-hmm. like 240 page funny book. It's all water. It's really pretty. It's all watercolor, and it's just like silly characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was brilliant, but that that was like really wild character development. Like like these characters all have personalities. And uh, The other thing that was really interesting about that one was from the first it was written between 2009 and 2014. You could see his drawings style change and mm-hmm. like he was kind of locking down how to do these as cartoon characters and not just sort of like scratchy. He was like figuring it out in the first year. Mm-hmm. and that's always fun. To make.
1: They, i that's, It's always fun, but it also drives me nuts. I remember yeah. it, I, as a kid like looking at the collections of Bone and being like, the first 20 pages, they don't look the same! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, you could just go back and redraw it. You've collected this like a thousand times. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that that can be lovely, though, like that artifact yeah, like that. of real life. Like, City
2: did that if yeah. you read through. It's like, and it's not that any of it's bad. It's just sort of like... A, a good deal of it's bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: or like... Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so like the way that it changes, and even just like stylistically reflecting an intellectual change, right? Like Big Questions by Anders Nilsson, right? Like the first mm-hmm. several little collected, they were just joke like four panel joke,
1: yeah, right
0: jokes where the characters were birds trying to figure out like kind of existential mm-hmm. questions. And then it became this I mean, that's one of my favorite books, and it stylistically changes, and the scope of it changes, and so much changes after those first several. But I love having those little ones at the beginning they look nothing like the rest of it mm-hmm. but it it frames an orients like you can see right. you can see the artist's mind at work
1: but he also yeah. redrew huge chunks of that for the book oh, yeah. like if you have the individual issues they're I very did. very different wow. a lot of them okay. yeah and he spent like a year or something just reworking Redrying. reworking for the book Jeez,
2: yeah, it's a huge book interesting yeah. um, i haven't slogged through it yet actually I don't, I don't have the book. Recommend I, it. I yeah. like it a
0: lot. If I if I had thought, I would have brought a copy to borrow, but it's also a bit of a burden to bike around town. <laughs> yeah, like bike book, yeah, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your Gutenberg Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, should we should we wrap it up? Yeah,
2: let's wrap it up. And
0: anyway, okay. it was so great to this talk to really you. really fun. Thank yeah. you so much. We'll, well have,
1: have you back on. again and we'll talk about something else Sure. the of our work.
2: Oh, yeah. heck yeah, that's a great idea. Okay. Right. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye.
0: all right so before we go sam do you have any recommendations for everyone
1: i do um so it's summer and i am reading uh not that literary books as i often do during the summer Mm -hmm. and um i wanted to uh have you ever read any of the the parker novels richard stark's parker novels no not at all okay they're they're my my go-to in between like dumb reading that it's incredibly they're incredibly well written crime books from the 60s mm-hmm. uh the first one was it's a it's a series of novels about this character named parker and he's a he's a professional thief although he murders people as often as he steals things uh who's completely he, he's a he's kind of a workaholic and, a, and obsessed with the the craft of being a thief and the first one was written in 1962 it's called the hunter and it's been adapted like Eight times in the different movies. Oh, great! Like, uh, do
0: you... any in particular that you remember? Uh,
1: yeah, uh, Point Blank with. Uh, oh. Uh, uh, John Cusack. No, no, not Gross Point Blank.
0: Gross. Oh, okay, no, that's right. No, I'm no Point
1: Blank with uh, uh, Lee Marvin was oh. based on it. So was um, there's one recently came out like last year called Parker with tall, bald British guy. Forget his name. Uh, and there's also there was a Mel Gibson one called uh, Payback. Hmm. They just. It's it's a it's an easily adaptable one, and people are always trying to turn into a franchise and it never works. But this guy Donald Westlake, writing as under the pen Richard Stark, wrote these books from 1965 to 2008. And oh wow! Yeah, he incredibly, and there's like 20 of them or something. And he was also maintaining like many other franchises. He was writing like two books a year or more, maybe four. Yeah. And um, they they're written at like at the speed of light. They 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 feel, but they're they're also incredibly they're like Hemingway-esque like pared down and you're pared down prose and you feel like you're you really get to live in this world and meet these reoccurring characters and you see it's like how do you how do you set up a safe house? How do you plan a getaway? How do you like do you use the phone in the hotel or do you use the one in the lobby or do you use the one down the street and when do you do which one and why and how do you sometimes want the police to trace some calls and not trace other calls and it's it's incredibly fun the one i just read was the jugger uh which is like seventh in the series or something but
0: that sounds great i love a good summer read
1: highly recommended
0: yeah my i feel like in some of the next coming weeks i'll have to recommend some of my favorite summer reads i have a History of reading Victorian gentleman explorer disaster histories every summer, and there are some damn Duzies. fun ones. Yeah. There, oh man, so much accidental cannibalism. Like I'll, I'll make a list for the next couple times we talk. It's not that accidental. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, there were some short straws pulled. Yeah. Was <laughs> just oh, <she's> sleeping. <laughs> Where'd my leg go? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um so do you have a recommendation for us today i
0: totally do i'm also recommending a book um so i started reading itches for hawk a couple of like a month ago a month and a half ago but then everything started the steam train that is cake kind of gained momentum and took everything over and i put the book down and wasn't able to pick it back up until recently and so i, I just finished it and it's it's spectacular so it's by helen mcdonald and she's a she's a british author and she is the book is great because it it shouldn't work as well as it does it's kind of three books in one it's about it's a memoir about grief her father passed away very suddenly and they were very very close it's a memoir about training a hawk and like you were talking about with the with your recommendations there's such a pleasure in getting into the nitty-gritties like how do you train a goddamn hawk? Like, it's so interesting, The um, just learning about the process. And it's also about, you know, a little bit of a biography about T.H. White, who wrote The Once and Future King, and he was also, he also trained hawks, and he was also a closeted gay man and a closeted masochist, and was really struggling with, you know, this his identities in in training this hawk and the kind of discipline that you have to do to train the hawk. And so the three pieces of, the three elements of the book really inform each other and flow together well. And the language is stunningly beautiful. Like it's 2015, there shouldn't be new ways to movingly describe a gray cloudy sky. Like all of those combinations of words should have been done by now, but it's just such a beautiful read and really moving. uh, as I've been listening back to some of these as we edit and stuff, I was like, man, a lot of my recommendations are about grief. Maybe I need to think about some stuff. But this one is like <laughs> a, a really beautiful reflection on, you know, um, how we how we deal with kind of big life transitions. So H is for Hawk. Highly recommended.
1: That sounds fantastic.
0: Alright, so before we wrap up, uh, don't forget to follow us on iTunes or Stitcher if you aren't already listening to us uh, via one of those platforms. And If you have any feedback or criticism or comments about the episode, please send us an email at imageplustext at gmail.com or tweet at us at imageplustext. We really enjoy getting to talk with everybody. You
1: can still be the first person to email us.
0: Yeah, still no emails. Come on, guys. We're waiting. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much. See you next time. Bye. Bye.